Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Exodus, chapter 25, and... uh, We're going to pick up tonight, right about uh, verse 23, and uh, before we do that, give me your attention if you will. I don't know if you've noticed, as you read your Bible, as you study the Word, that God's teaching style, are you listening? That God's teaching style is the use of illustrations. God loves to use illustrations and word pictures. Talking about the people wandering in the wilderness, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 6. And it tells us, now these things became, I think I've got that slide, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6. There it is. Amazing how that just peeled back. Did you see that? Amazing. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 tells us, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 18, Now for the time of about 40 years, he, God, put up with their ways in the wilderness. Very interesting. Saints, listen, give me your attention. Their time in the wilderness, the people of God, as they came out of Egypt, their time in the wilderness was an illustration for us. And we can learn of God's heart and God's dealings as we study the the wilderness experience of the people of God. If you understand so far, say amen. amen. We can learn from the illustrations. Now listen, for every New Testament truth, there is an Old Testament story or picture. For every New Testament truth, are you listening? There is a story or a picture. And one of the most awesome pictures of Jesus is found in Exodus chapter 25 through Exodus chapter 40. Exodus 25 through 40, we have a description of the formation and the function of the tabernacle. And as you look at that tabernacle, God gives us an awesome picture of Jesus. Now, if you've been with us in Exodus chapter 25, we began a series so many weeks ago on teaching Jesus in the tabernacle. And we've been looking at the parallels and the pictures of Jesus. And as you look at the tabernacle... We talked about you can see parallels or you can see pictures or you can see illustrations of Jesus in seven different ways. 
And remember, we pointed these out. Now, if you missed any of these teachings, you can pick them up in the bookstore. But we pointed these seven ways out. Number one, talking about the parallels of the tabernacle and Jesus. The tabernacle we talked about had a temporary appointment. And Jesus' time here on earth was temporary as well. Jesus lived and walked on the earth for how many years? 33. You knew that. And then the tabernacle was designed to be moved. And as we talked about, Jesus was on the move during his ministry. The second point, the tabernacle was used in the wilderness. And you know that Jesus left the throne of glory and came to the wilderness called earth. And then the tabernacle number three had a humble outward appearance. And did you know that there was nothing impressive about Jesus appearance outwardly? And then fourthly, the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God among men. And then number five, the tabernacle was the meeting place of God with men. In other words, listen, if you want to meet with God, you must meet with God through Jesus Christ. If you knew that, say amen. You can't come to God any way you want. If you want to meet with him, you must meet with him through Jesus. And then number six, the tabernacle was the place where the priestly family was fed. And Jesus said in John chapter six, I am the bread of life. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. And then finally, we talked about the tabernacle was the center of Israel's camp. And Jesus, we talked about, remember, is the great gathering center of the church. Those seven parallels of Christ we talked about. Then in verse 10 through 16 in chapter 25, we saw Jesus in the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And so tonight we pick up in Exodus chapter 25 and we pick up in verse 23 and we're going to hopefully, Lord willing, complete this chapter tonight as we talk about, talking about Jesus in the tabernacle, we talk about Jesus and the showbread, the table of showbread, and the parallel of Jesus and the golden lampstand. Exodus chapter 25, we pick up in verse 23. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. And you shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it, talking about the table, overlay it with what, saints? Pure gold and make a molding of gold all around. And you shall make for it a frame of hand breadth all around or this kind of molding there. And you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are on its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood. Sound familiar? And overlay them with gold. Sound familiar? That the table may be carried with them. Sound familiar? And you shall make its dishes and its pans and its pitchers and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the bread on the table before me always. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Remember the last time we were together here in Exodus. I told you as God, listen, as God begins to describe the tabernacle, he starts in the throne room. Remember, we talked about that. If you were here last time, wave at me, would you? OK, that's a good number of you. 
God starts his description of the tabernacle. He starts in the throne room. God started the description of the tabernacle from his own perspective in the Holy of Holies, where you would see the Ark of the Covenant, where you would see the mercy seat sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And then you would make your way out of the Holy of Holies, past the veil, are you with me? Past the veil into the holy place. And in the holy place, as soon as you get beyond that 18 inch thick veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place, as soon as you came through that veil, there was an altar of incense right there. And then you would see the table of showbread, which would be on your left. Are you following me? And then you would see the golden lampstand, which would be on your right. You know, every time I read this, I think of that song we used to sing. Take me past the outer courts. We ought to do it again. To the holy place. Remember, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and priests who sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And it's only found in one place. Take me in. To the holy of holies, take me in by the blood of the lamb. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. That song is written from man's perspective, from the outer courts, coming into the holy place. And from that perspective, they would see the altar of incense, the veil of the temple, and beyond the veil would be the most holy place or the holy of holies or where the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat and the Shekinah glory of God. So that song is written from man's perspective. God in Exodus, when he describes the temple, he describes it from his perspective. And he starts in the holy place, if you understand, say amen. Amen. So we come to now tonight, the table of showbread. As we just read in our text, the table was one foot, six inches wide, three feet long, two feet, three inches high. Notice the table, as we pointed out, was made of acacia wood, which was just like the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant was made of what? Acacia wood. The table was covered with gold. The Ark of the Covenant was covered with what? Gold. The poles on the table, did you notice that, were to be covered with gold, and those poles as well were made of what? Acacia wood, just like the Ark of the Covenant. And you want to take note that in our text, we just read it, a three-inch wide molding was to be placed around the edge of the table to keep objects from falling off. And on top of the table, are you listening, was set 12 loaves of bread. Now listen, we can see Jesus in the table, in the tabernacle, in this table of showbread, because remember we talked about the table was made of acacia wood. I told you that wood speaks of somebody help me. Wood speaks of what? Humanity. Very good. The acacia wood was overlaid with gold and gold speaks of what? Deity. 
It speaks of deity. Humanity and deity. Now watch this. Listen close. It's interesting. Here's a side note, if you will. Interesting, in the tabernacle, we see the reversal of Jesus on earth. In the tabernacle, we see the gold. First thing you see is the gold that's overlaid on the acacia wood. Gold, as I said, speaks of deity. Wood speaks of humanity. So the first thing you see in these objects is gold. And beneath the gold is wood. Humanity. The reversal, Jesus on earth in his earthly ministry, the first thing you see when you see Jesus is you see his humanity. And underneath, if you would, is his deity. You understand that? It's very, very interesting. So here it is, the deity in the temple, in the tabernacle, is seen in the gold. Now, this table we've been talking about again. Are you with me? The table and its parallels, Jesus and the tabernacle. The table itself speaks of communion. It speaks of fellowship. It was Matthew Henry who said, listen at this, in the royal place, it was fit that there should be a royal table. So true in the Middle East, even today. If you invited someone over for dinner or to eat at someone's table was a high honor because when you ate with someone in the Middle East, you were actually partaking with them and becoming one with them. It's unlike what we do here. You eat on your plate. I eat on my plate. Of course, not Mrs. Elvira. Then I eat off her plate. (laughs) And if I go dinner with you, I might eat off your plate because I ain't no shame. But 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 in the Middle East, you know, it's very common for people to eat together off of one plate. They might take a they might have some kind of whatever food item and they take a piece of pita bread and they just in one bowl. I mean, this is where we get the potluck. It was one pot and everybody ate out of it. And they would take the pita bread and they would just grab the food like this and just take a bite and eat it and take your take your pita bread and grab again. And everybody around the table, around the pot, would eat from the same pot. So the idea was that people were becoming one with each other because, I mean, this is kind of gross, but you were sharing my spit and I was sharing yours. That's kind of the way they ate there. So you got to understand something. Communion, are you listening, is fellowship and it speaks of unity and it speaks of oneness. You are literally becoming united with one another as you shared a meal. Jesus, look at the Gospels. Jesus loved to eat. That's why we want to be like Jesus. (laughs) Somebody say amen. You know that's right. And Jesus didn't have any shame either. Jesus would invite himself over for something to eat. Now, I love that about him. You know, if I've eaten with you, I probably invited myself over. I'm coming over what we're eating. And Jesus would do that. Jesus loved to eat. Jesus loved the fellowship. Jesus loved to get around the table with folks. And Jesus invites us to 
his table of communion and fellowship. And that's why when we have communion here, it's more than just remembering his death and his resurrection and his blood being shed. It's more than that. It's fellowship. You are becoming one with him when you take communion. Fellowship at the table. You know, one of my favorite stories, and if you're not familiar with this story, you ought to get familiar with it. One of my favorite stories about communion and fellowship is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Don't turn there. Write that down. Look it up in your own time. Listen to me. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's the story of a guy named Mephibosheth. I don't know anyone who names their son Mephibosheth. Do you? I've never heard this name before. And Mephibosheth, you know the story, he was the son of Jonathan, and he was the grandson of Saul. And it was Saul, don't you remember, who kept trying to kill David. So Jonathan and David were best friends, and David promised, listen, David promised Jonathan that he would show kindness to his family. So one day David found out that Jonathan had family members living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture, no pasture. So David called for Mephibosheth to invite him to the king's table to eat. And Mephibosheth comes in not knowing that David's inviting him to the table. And Mephibosheth is thinking, hey, you know what? My granddad was mean to David. When Mephibosheth gets the call that King David wants to see him, Mephibosheth starts knees knocking. Palm sweating. He's afraid because he's thinking that, hey, you know what? I better get my last will and testament together because this is over for me. And so Mephibosheth, he comes in. He's bowing down to David. He's broken. He's lame. And he's deserving of death. And David calls his name. Second Samuel 9, read it tonight. David calls his name Mephibosheth. Now, I don't get the tone. Remember, I told you when you read the Bible, it's very important that you that you get the tone. Tone is everything when you read the Bible. You understand that? Say amen. amen. If you're breathing, say amen. amen. <laughs> Tones, everything. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Tones everything. Mephibosheth. Or Mephibosheth. You see, tone is everything. I don't believe, as you read the story, I don't believe there was a harsh tone there. I think it was soft and gentle. And then David tells him, he says, don't be afraid. I'm going to show grace to you and I'm going to restore you and you will eat at my table. Now, listen, you cannot miss this as you read this story. You can't miss it. Mephibosheth is a picture of every single Christian. Mephibosheth is a picture of every single one of us. You see, we were living before becoming a Christian. And you'll say amen to this. We were living in a place called Lodabar. No pasture. Don't you know? There's nothing out there in the world. You know, maybe that's a word for somebody tonight. Maybe you've been thinking about, well, I might as well just go back out in the world and have some fun. The Christian thing's not working. Not meeting a man. I didn't think I was going to get too many amens there. <laughs> not meeting a wife. Nothing's happening in this Christian thing. I think I'll go back out in the world. Listen, 
There is no, there's nothing in Lodabar. Nothing. Nothing in Lodabar. The place of no pasture. Every single one of us was living in that place. Every single one of us was hungry and thirsty and broken and lame and can't walk and deserving of death. Amen. Good morning, 10 people. Say amen. I know I was deserving of death. And then one day, listen, one day, here comes the good news. We came into the presence of the greater than King David, and his name is Jesus. And he saved us. And he called our name. Just like David called Mephibosheth. And he called it in a gentle tone. Jesus called your name, and he wasn't angry with you when you got saved. Did you know God is not angry with you? People paint that picture, God's angry, he's going to get you. You know, the people like, get you. You know, if I don't come to God, he's going to get you. If you do something wrong, it's like, Ugh! You know, people have that, that harsh mentality of, this is not God. God is not angry with you. God loves you. God loves you. And when you love somebody, you're not like, Ugh! Well, maybe sometime, but no, it's just a joke. But I mean, you know, you're not, you know, you love them and you're gentle toward them. And Jesus was gentle toward us when he called our name, Rodney, David. He said, Johnny, I have to think about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And Jesus comes. And he says to us to come to the table and eat and come to the table and be healed and come to the table and be restored. So did you get that now? The table, notice it back in our text here. We just read it. The table had 12 loaves of bread on it. And that's the only thing you want to get this that is on the table. Now, the Bible does tell us in verse 29 that they were to make dishes and pans and pitchers. Go ahead and look at it. Dishes and pans and pitchers and bowls for the pouring. But the only thing that's on the table, according to our text, is the 12 loaves of bread, not the pitchers and the pans, although they are made of gold. Obviously, they were somewhere lower. Obviously, they probably were maybe even on the floor. Who knows? But the 12 loaves were on the table. The table of showbread, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The table of showbread literally means the table of the presence of bread or the table of the bread of presence. Either way in the the Hebrew language, actually. The table of the bread of the presence. Very interesting. So the bread is was to be replaced, as you look at Leviticus 24, and you look at our text here in Exodus 25, this bread was to be replaced every seven days. Now get this, in the Talmud, which is a collection of rabbinic writings consisting of the Mishnah, it is recorded or believed that when the priest came to replace the bread with new loaves every seven days, that they found the bread from the previous week still hot and fresh out of the oven. Isn't that fascinating? This is in the Mishnah, which they attribute to the fact of the divine presence of God that rested in the holy place. If it's not true, it sure is good. (laughs) Isn't that right? It is. 
But it's interesting enough, get this, to this day, Jewish people really don't understand the significance of the showbread. And I believe the reason they don't is because they're still looking for the Messiah to come and they don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand what he came to do and what he's done for them. And by the way, the bread that was on the table was perforated and pierced. Very interesting. You see, I believe that if the Jews knew that Jesus, who he was and what he came to do, I believe that they would then understand in John chapter 6, right around verse 35, as Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And Jesus said, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. See, I believe when they understand who Jesus is, then they'll understand that, that Jesus is the Messiah. And they'll understand that Jesus is the bread of life. They'll understand that Jesus is the only one that can satisfy the cravings of a hungry soul. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.